Hey there, and welcome to Health Yeah with Gene O'Connor, the president of the board of directors for the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors. You can find more information about NACDD at chronicdisease.org. As always, I'm Joseph Rhodes, your friendly podcast producer. Well, hello there. How's everybody doing in podcast land today? On this episode, Gene O'Connor is speaking with Carmen Daniel. Now, Carmen Daniel is the worksite wellness coordinator for the Georgia Department of Public Health. There's a lot of information to get to on this episode, and it is very entertaining and informative. And I think you might even learn something. So let's get to Gene O'Connor talking to Carmen Daniel. Welcome, Carmen Daniel, to the NACDD podcast series on population health improvement. We're excited to have you join us. You're the Worksite Wellness Coordinator at the Georgia Department of Public Health. Is that right? Correct. Great. And we know each other. I'm Jean O'Connor. I'm the current president of NACDD and a state-level public health practitioner. I'll be your host today for this conversation. So, Carmen, can you tell us a little bit about your work on Worksite Wellness? for the Department of Public Health. Tell us what you do and a little bit about your organization. Of course, thank you. So the Georgia Department of Public Health, of course, our mission is to protect, promote, and prepare, which makes my job even easier because within Worksite Wellness, we have the same mission. We protect our employees from disease, injury, and disabilities from a Worksite Wellness standpoint. When we talk about occupational health and safety, immunizations, including flu shots, as well as promote health and well-being, which we do on a consistent basis. The one thing that I do love about being here at the Georgia Department of Public Health in Worksite Wellness is our ability to collaborate with academia. So we work with the University of Georgia, the Workplace Health Group, as well as Emory's Rollins School of Public Health. So in that, we're able to really advance the science of Worksite Wellness through our programming as well as our evaluation efforts. So just within our program, of course, we do the traditional items that you see within a Worksite Wellness program. We have educational lunch and learns focused around physical activity, nutrition, stress management, even financial well-being where we're able to collaborate with our internal state health benefit plan as well as our employee assistance program. In our evaluation efforts, we've been able to really advance the science through our annual health climate survey. There, we're able to program and really figure out the needs of our employees. We've been able to conduct a standing station evaluation. From that, we saw decreases in both systolic and diastolic blood pressure, increased physical activity, decreased fatigue, increased productivity, all positive things that hadn't been seen before in an evaluation for a standing workstation. So when it comes to ergonomic support, we are leading when it comes to um, worksite wellness and what we're able to do and offer for our employees. In addition, we've been able to present on a stress management and coping program, our Holiday Survivor and Transformation Challenge, which are both weight loss or maintenance programs. One is a team-based program, the other individual. From that, we've seen statistically significant decreases in weight of participants as well as umbilical measurement. And we've been able to measure this over time. So this is our fifth year going into evaluation of these programs. 
In addition to that, we also evaluate our policies. So we have three main policies that are housed out of worksite wellness. Um, one is our physical activity policy, which is specifically for our employees. It's a benefit that our employees have here at the state level, and they're able to use time within their day for physical activity. This is once seen as your midday breaks. So that, that's 30 minutes that employees can use within the workday for physical activity. Um, the one great thing that we have on site at our downtown location is our fitness center, which is located on the first floor. But employees are encouraged to use that physical activity policy within the building, walking through the halls, walking outside of the building, as well as incorporating more walking meetings into their workday. In addition to our physical activity policy, we do have a breastfeeding support and lactation support policy that, of course, is promoted throughout the state, so not just, again, at our, our state office. But we have uh, three lactation rooms. We have one at our downtown location, one at our lab, as well as one at our, at our vital records and EMS office. And so those are internal facing. They're open for visitors and guests to use, but they are state-of-the-art lactation rooms. That is our second policy. Our last policy is a healthy meeting policy. So I always get a lot of questions about this one. And really what it looks like, we collaborated with our finance department. And when we do, anytime we do group meals, we require through this policy that state employees use healthy options. So you're using water versus sugary beverages. You have different protein options. You're not using processed foods when it comes to using our state and federal funds for um, group meal requests. So those are three of the policies that we have that we've been able to present as well at on a national and state level. But those policies really frame the work that we do for our employees. Wow, Carmen, that's great. And that's a lot. Um, and because we work together, I know all the really impressive things your program does. Your program has also been recognized nationally, hasn't it? Can you tell us a little bit about that? We do have an accreditation, and that's the U.S healthiest health lead accreditation, and that is for work sites. Um, we achieved this accreditation in September of 2016. We had several site visits, and we worked with leaders in the realm of worksite wellness with CDC to achieve this accreditation. In that accreditation, we looked at organizational structure, our physical environment. We also worked with senior executives within the organization, so our C-suite, our, our executive leadership, including our commissioner, to really see where we were as an organization um, when it came to worksite health. We got back, and when we got those results, we knew there were things that we could continuously work on, including those health outcomes. So really that accreditation sets us aside and says we have taken into all pillars of worksite wellness and achieving this accreditation and making sure that we are providing the best services and best practices for our employees. That's fantastic. Carmen, it sounds like through the policies, through the on-site fitness opportunities, and really the leadership that your program provides, you're creating a culture of health inside um, a Department of Public Health, which is wonderful because it seems like that would provide right, leadership for other organizations thinking about doing the same thing. We should practice what we preach in public health, right? Right. Um, yeah, so can, can you help me and for our listeners think a little bit about how the work that you're doing in a worksite health program 
can really improve population health overall. I mean, you work with the Department of Public Health here in Georgia. We're a big department. We have, I think, about 1,000 people in, in our main building. And then across the state, we have another 4,500 or so, give or take, um, right. working in our public health system. Tell me a little bit about how you think worksite health and your efforts are improving population health overall here in Georgia. Oh, no, most definitely. I love this. So when we're looking at labor statistics, we see upside of 60% of our population works. So it only makes sense to promote health and well-being in the workplace, no matter the organization. That's where we can impact people first, right, is, is at their workplace. We have most of the population there. Um, when I think about population health, of course, I think about the health outcomes of people in general, and specifically our state employees, which, as you mentioned, span the entire state. So within our website wellness program, not only do we offer programs for our state office located in the metro Atlanta area, but we also provide services and programs to our districts. So within the state of Georgia, we have 18 health districts, and as a program, we work as the liaison to our wellness ambassadors through the districts who work with their district health directors. So as you mentioned, that's about 6,500 state of Georgia residents. So we're able to impact people on a large scale. I like to think of worksite wellness as a way of getting into our community. So if we're able to change the knowledge, attitudes, beliefs of employees when it comes to their health and well-being, we can then hope that they're taking that same knowledge, that same attitude, those same changes in beliefs to their community. It starts in the home, to their family. That then trickles down. So. I see the work that we're doing at the work site being able to impact the whole, the entire state of Georgia. I would love to, I would love to see those results if we could, but I know that the work we're doing has a greater impact than just the employees that I see on a consistent basis. That's terrific. So, you know, I was thinking a little bit, there are other large employers here in the state of Georgia that also do work site wellness. Do you collaborate with them at all? Yeah, so I'm actually part of a work group. It's the Atlanta Wellness Professionals, and it's really a great opportunity to connect, like you said, with other works at wellness program managers, coordinators, directors throughout the state with these large organizations. So within that work group, we have works at wellness programs from Kaiser Permanente, from Delta, CNN, Coca-Cola, Print and Pack. So in that, we're able to really talk about what works, what doesn't work, how are we impacting our employees, how are we meeting them where we are, and where we can continue to grow. So it's a great opportunity to collaborate on that level, ensuring that the services and programs that we're providing are of the science, are, are definitely science and evidence-based, but that we're able to share those pitfalls because we're working with people. And as you know, as previous crime disease director, when you're working with people, things come up that we can't necessarily impact. So we can't necessarily impact the disparity. We can't necessarily impact the work environment, health equity. We can take it into account, but there are some things that we have to work around. So within the workplace, when we talk about individual behavior change and social and physical environment, being able to collaborate with these other 
programs with these other organizations gives you ideas to keep the ball rolling, to keep the momentum going at your own location. That sounds terrific. And I think as the chronic disease director in Georgia, I worked with some of the companies that you collaborate with as well, some of those large employers. And it's really amazing to me all the things that are happening in terms of forward thinking about, as you mentioned, the nutrition and physical activity and the opportunity at a work site to influence health. Can't fix everything, as you described, but certainly can help to make a difference. And I'm standing at my standing workstation as we're having this conversation. So, <laughs> you know, thanks to, thanks to the work of your program. And I'll never go back to a right. sitting only workstation if I can help it. So, we think, Carmen, about sort of all population health improvement and, and what you just described. You know, one of the things that has come up and is part of the theme of this year's President's Challenge for the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors is that there are many different ways of thinking about population health and public health improvement, and there's a lot of those terms being thrown around right now. Does population health mean anything in particular to you, um, or what does it look like if we're improving health and doing it well? Wow. No, um, when I think of population health, I think about meeting people where they are. And population health looks so different. I think it's very unique to specific population. You know, if we're talking about all of those in Georgia versus all those within one building, it can look a little different. The one thing that I've noticed, even within our population, within our working population, their health outcomes mirror those statistics that we see in Georgia. So, of course, when I think of population health within our agency for our employees, I think of improving those same outcomes that we're looking at when we look at the, the rest of the state of Georgia. And, and it's interesting because we do throw around a lot of words within public health. Those, key, those phrases that are so familiar to us, but a lot of people, like you said, it may mean something different. So specifically, population health, in my frame of reference, is ensuring that everyone has the best health outcomes possible meeting the individual where they are. In worksite wellness, oftentimes organizations will do big box programming and they won't look at specific instances within that population. They won't look at the specific needs of their workforce when creating that program. And in our program, that's one of the things that we do take in consideration through our annual health climate survey as well as our numerous evaluation and assessment efforts really taking into consideration the individual. We cannot impact population health or improve health outcomes if we're not taking into consideration the individual and the things that they face. Now, I understand on a large scale, this may seem impossible, <laughs> but I think that it's a great model to go by. That's terrific, and you have such a succinct definition. I love it. You've clearly given this some thought. So, you know, given, given what you just said and from where you sit working on worksite wellness inside a, a large employer that's focused on health, do you see major areas of opportunity or trends in terms of population health improvement or worksite wellness on the horizon? And if so, what are those trends? Oh, no, most definitely. Um, within health itself, I think from what I've seen in the past annual public health association conference that was held in Atlanta, one key theme that I did see was 
health equity. I would say it three times because I saw it everywhere within the conference. I don't know if you saw those same things. I did. I did. Yeah, I mean, it was great. It was it was very refreshing. It's understanding, you know, sort of what we talked about earlier. We can, you know, maybe impact those individual behaviors, but the social and physical environment may not be something that we can, I mean, we have control over. So when it comes to health equity, it was apparent that this was trending within our public health community nationwide. And so when I took back and took a look at what we were doing for our program, and it was actually after a conversation with you on our annual health climate survey, I really started looking at our outcomes to see if there were any correlations between those individual factors and their health behaviors. So I'm, I'm very excited and, uh, to see if there are any specific correlations, again, and that will help us frame our programming. So I definitely see health equity as a trend within population health as well as worksite wellness. But one thing that I see within worksite wellness itself is the innovativeness. It's also the willingness of employers to go outside the box. One aspect that people are always talking about within worksite wellness is stress management, stress coping, and mindfulness and meditation. I can imagine that maybe five, ten years ago, this was not something that would be brought up in a workplace. You know, stress is a part of life. It's something that you deal with. We do not talk about meditation and mindfulness at work. That is not something that's work-related. But what I've seen currently within this worksite wellness field, it's increasing. Everyone that I talk to is incorporating mindfulness within their workday, within their worksite wellness plan. They're incorporating more stress management skills and coping mechanisms within their programming as well. So I see this continuing to increase in that field. Yeah, I think we all could use a little more mindfulness Mm -hmm. in our our day, for sure. So that's interesting to hear. So health equity, employer leadership, and then this piece about sort of mindfulness and stress management and the connection with health outcomes. Yeah, and then I also, I'm also thinking that maybe this mindfulness and and just going off on what I've seen is also the change and trend in the workforce. You know, we look at generations within the workforce, and, of course, their needs when it comes to workplace health is different across those generations. And we have our millennials and our gen enders coming into the workforce, and they comprise about a third of the current workforce. And those employees, they appreciate the benefits of a worksite wellness program, not saying they benefited more, they appreciated more or less, but they rely on very heavy work-life balance. And I can see the increase of mindfulness and stress management and coping increasing in part due to the change in the workforce as well. Yeah, that seems so true that, you know, these things are going to continue to evolve, of course, with every generation in the workplace, but definitely now more than ever. And technology, too. Don't you think there's an expectation among folks coming into the workforce now who grew up with, mobile phones and internet and so forth, that they expect to incorporate all of that as well into their work, but also into their work-life balance approaches. Most definitely. It's interesting you say that. So we um, conduct an annual communication survey 
with our employees every two years. So we're coming up on our next one. And previously, the preferred method of communication for worksite wellness programming was by flyering. And recently, I've read that communication survey was done at another large employer, and I can't recall the name, but employers responded back and said they would rather receive information via SMS, so by text message. So I'm interested just to see those, that two-year difference when we facilitate our next communication survey to see if technology plays a role in the way that they, re they would like to receive communications from the programming. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I know. Every little reminder for me helps. Um, so <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking about that um, and needing to stand up more and thinking, how can I cue myself to do that more often in my office? So tech, I can see how text messages would be a terrific reminder too. So given those trends, Carmen, that you've described and, and some of the things you see happening from your point of view, what, what do you think about training? I mean, our, our work the listeners to this podcast are people primarily who work in chronic disease prevention and control in state and local health departments, maybe population health managers with a health plan or a health system. Okay. If they're really interested in some of the things you've been describing, I mean, is there a way you could recommend that they advance their skills or knowledge around some of the things you've discussed today? Oh, no, most definitely. I definitely believe in training and development. We are in science, so it's ever-evolving. And I always, and I do have interns that work within the program, and even talking to them, I always want to overemphasize the need to connect with practitioners, and not just those that you see every day, but in other state agencies, if you work in, in state government, connect with those individuals, because it looks different, but you're able to, and I like to always say this, you know, quote, unquote, find your people. There are people that understand what you're going through. They understand your goals and objectives, and you're able to collaborate and continue to build on that. But as for specific training, memberships in, in national organizations really do help. They provide that information that you may not have found otherwise, especially when we get caught up on our day-to-day -day, day -day work, that administrative work as well. So WELCOA, the Wellness Council of America, they do have memberships, and I encourage our wellness ambassadors actually in the field in the district to become members. In that, they have several trainings, and the trainings are free for members that you can take, and a lot of them are webinars and virtual, so I definitely would promote anyone in this field or looking for more information to join WellCOA. There's also NWI, the National Wellness Institute. They have theirs as membership-based as well. They offer different trainings. One of the trainings is a certification. It's the Certified Worksite Wellness Program Manager, and then they have one for a wellness specialist too, so a non-manager role. And I currently have the Program Manager Certification, and in that it really outlines um, the role of worksite wellness. It's it qualifies and quantifies the things that you're doing um, within a program. So if someone's in this field and they're looking for a way to continue to advance their education and knowledge, I would highly recommend that certification. 
other than that, CDC is always a great resource. I know at the state level, our chronic disease program, they hold uh, trainings and podcasts as well. Uh, that's very uh, beneficial, not just to those in a program manager role, but those just interested in more population health, which we've been talking about. The list is almost limitless. I'm always open to have those conversations, to send those resources. But, again, continuing to train yourself, continuing to look in the science, going back to when you were in school and you are doing those literature reviews and you're just really trying to figure out what is out there, I think that sometimes it's important to go back to those times and go back to those ways so that we are staying ahead of the curve. Terrific, Carmen. Thanks so much for sharing all those ideas. Those are really great, and I think folks are going to get a lot out of listening to and thinking about those options. You know, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners, anything we haven't covered yet about your work or what you do as it relates to population health that you want the people who are listening to, to know? Well, you know, I would say the last thing, of course, is, is to understand that we're really changing lives. There have been countless success stories from employees on how our specific programming has changed their lives, whether it's normalizing their A1C levels where they no longer are on diabetic medication or decreasing their cholesterol so that, again, no longer on that medication to control their cholesterol as well as blood pressure, decreasing their weight so that they're able to conceive and have a family. And these are just a few stories of the many that we've received from employees based on the programming that we've done. Keeping that in mind, as a coordinator, as a program manager, working for the state and understanding that all of the work that we do impact our employees and our citizens within the state, I think that really helps you keep going. It, it keeps you grounded in understanding the work that we do and how important it is. So I would definitely want people to keep that in the back of their mind and everything that we do, knowing that we are creating change and to keep doing what we're doing. Thanks so much, Carmen. It sounds like you, you're really in a, a great field that matches your passion and your, your purpose to your, to your work. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. This has been really informative. Um, we appreciate you joining us today. Carmen Daniel from the Georgia Department of Public Health. Thank you so much, Steve. It sounds like Carmen is doing some great work out there. If you'd like more information about the Georgia Department of Public Health, let's go to georgia.gov. Well, that's going to wrap up another episode of Health Yeah! I hope you found it informative and entertaining like I did. On behalf of NACDD and Gene O'Connor, thank you very much for listening.